Welcome to the Good HIE Podcast Technical Difficulties Edition, where we crunch the numbers, and that's only dirty if you make it. I will hurt you if you ever make a pun that bad again. Oh, you are not ready for this podcast, sweetheart. Oh my god, this is nothing but puns. We have, we have a You're right, I'm too sober for this at the moment. One yes. We have a fuck ton of people with us, and by that point, I mean, like, no one. We have Mike Snipe, who's always here. Hi. Uh, we have an on pencil who is I haven't blood. tried today yet. <laughs> fuck off, Enigma. Hey. I'm Flutterfreaks, <laughs> and we have our guest, Mr. Numbers. <laughs> it begins. Oh. For those who have, are tuning in just for the first time or watching us from Ponyville live... I hope you have a drink because it's going to be a, an exasperating cast this week. It's been a long week. Um, it's we been a have long week. Words. Whenever we say the word Aragon, we're all going to drink. The way this podcast works is that there are user submitted questions over on fimfiction.com. We're going to interview Mr. Numbers, who is known on fimfiction for something. <laughs> oh, and... well fucking done, mate. <laughs> Already off to a flying start. Yeah, that's that's how this works. This is how it's going to go. We're going to be mean to each other, and we're going to have a good time. So buckle your seatbelts. Let's jump in dick first. Oh, uh, and if you have any questions for our guest, I, I am still monitoring the chat. If you ask a question that is so stupid, I want to pull your teeth out with pliers, I am not going to say it. And that means if you're asking such wonderful things as what Barney character would you fuck, I'm probably going to ignore you unless you make it really worth my while. So... Nut up or shut what? up, boys. I like what? that you come up I... with a new question every week. Yeah. Go okay, ahead. I'm, no, I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to question Just go on. Just move along. So yeah, there are that... certain people who just want to troll, and I'm, I'm, I'm done with them this week. And they know it. And they know who they are, too. You fuckers know exactly who you are. Anyway, that's all. That said, we do have three interview actual-ish type questions. So interview question number one, who are you and what have you done to contribute to the Brony fandom? Uh, I'm the guy that wrote Domain, among other things. That's actually how it's pronounced, by the way. I know it spells Demesne, but it's actually just pronounced like the word Domain. Um, I could have just spelled Domain. <laughs> Fuck a doodle doo. Um, <laughs> that. All can, that. Can you just say Aragon a few times so we can just start drinking? What's your favorite part Aragon, of Aragon? Aragon, Aragon, Aragon. Oh, here Aragon. we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah, oh, better. All Can right, you please explain favorite? to us why Aragon's the drinking word this week? <laughs> because half my anecdotes start with the word, start with his name. Uh, because we're pretty much joined at the hip. We share everything with each other, uh, everything, even things we really shouldn't. And uh, as a result, half the interesting shit we have to say at any given point involves the other person. We're like Fred and George Weasley, but gayer and oh. stupider. Oh, this is the best. I like this. All right. So <laughs> you, we know who you are. Um, you've written some stories. Um, what else have you done in the Brony fandom? I know there's other things. Is, is there? Um, well... I commented on a lot of things once. once. I hung out with a few people. Yeah, no, really, uh, writing is pretty much it. Alrighty. Um, Alright, so when did you join the fandom, and what is your favorite part of it? 
Oh, God. Uh, I joined the fandom early in season one, actually. Um, I think it was Over a Barrel was the um, episode that came out a week after I joined. Mm. Um, so around Winter Wrap-Up, which would be episode 10, and I'd say the favourite thing was that first year had the best music and just seeing... I feel like an I feel like a goddamn archaeologist of this fandom sometimes because I can point to the months where it's just like, all right, and here's where film fiction changed from the star ratings to the thumb rating. Oh, but before then, here's where everyone shared their stories on deviant arse and G docs just thrown <laughs> haphazardly at Equestria Daily. Oh Did man, you know, Equestria Daily was, was was fairly that came along fairly after like uh, deviant art stories um, being linked from places like um. Chans and Reddits came way before Equestria Daily of like a month or two. That was infinite in uh, internet time. And uh, especially with how mimetic it was like, God, if, okay. So when did you guys join? So I was a, uh, an old fag on uh, slash B and slash V when it came to the MLP show. Yeah, so you would remember, like, just how absolutely oh, mimetic yeah. the show was. Just how absolutely inundated everything was. It just, like, 20% cooler. Uh, I'm not going to say any more because they caused me physical pain. Yep, I oh. need a drink when you just said that, so please. You don't remember the bronies? Is that what we call ourselves? I kind of like that. You don't remember that incident? Oh, fucking cut oh it was anyway. the worst possible thing. Take a shot. Oh, <laughs> I'll do it in 10 seconds flat. <laughs> that's going to be the podcast, guys. Enjoy. I hope that's somebody's Sorry, I've, uh, I'm broken right now. Um, but yeah, you were definitely an in, in older fag. I remember, I think Over Barrel was the first one I saw, so that was way back. I actually I actually did one of the first major comedy stories in the fandom, actually, um, Twilight's Movie Night which was terrible, especially through the lens of uh, hindsight. But um, one, I was, I think, 16 when I wrote that. Yeah, because I've been in the fandom five years. I'm 21 now. So I was 16 when I wrote that. But um, that was one of the first stories that on film fiction that broke 20,000 views. Nice. But back then, that wasn't such a huge deal because you had other stories like, uh, I think Beating the Heat was one of the original sex comedies, um, which was really outrageous at the time now you just look at the feature box and it's seven out of ten clock fix um three of them by the abyss alone um but yeah beating the heat got like fifty thousand. um you had like dusk's end game that had like around fifty thousand too um that's really interesting to see drop off now like that you can't get anywhere near those numbers anymore and it's really really interesting to see how sharp that plummet has been in the past I'm going to say two years for the steady decline and six months for a really sharp one. Like it's it's gotten in the past six months hard to break a thousand. It's it's pretty true, especially depending on your follower base. There's yeah. definitely like the corners of film fiction these days. Um, anyway, before we begin to jump into user submitted questions, we have one more. Um, mm -hmm. If there's one thing you could say to your fans, your followers, your watchers, your stalkers, to Aragon, what would you say? I'm surprised that you exist. Um, I'm proud. I'm, I'm very happy that you exist, and I would like to continue doing things that validate your existence and my own. I, I don't really 
it's such a weird concept to me as um, what is essentially a borderline 21-year-old high school dropout to just be pointed out to and go, hey, that guy's smart and or funny, and just go, cool. I, I, I don't know. It's such a weird concept to me. Well, you're smart and or funny, so because of that, people have given you a shit ton of questions. Yay, so we're going to start with a... <laughs> Metric of Imperial, because you're going to have to convert that to Australian units for me. Oh, Come it's, it's Put Imperial. Put an E at the end of ton, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one comes from Professor Plum. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of who he is as a person. So he would, he asks you, how would tell us how Aragon really makes you feel. He makes me warm and tingly in my no-no parts. Good. Now show us on this doll where he touched you. Yeah, I'm going to point slowly. to the heart. I'm going to point to the heart. Aww. Aww. And then just slowly goes lower, but mostly the heart. <laughs> <laughs> just slides his finger down, like making quiet moaning noises as he does. And then that finger starts glowing like E.T. and I'm worried. Where did that come from? Like, we were talking about sex, and you had to ruin it by bringing up E.T. No one thinks about E.T. and is like, mmm, sex. Wait, Milk, do you think about E.T. when you're thinking about sex? A little bit. I mean... God damn it! I thought I found something that's your fetish. Well, I mean, like, you can put the finger in the butthole and you light up. I'm done. He's thinking about E.T. and drag. Numbers a question. Let's move on. Now we have some questions from Snakeskin Duct Tape. What a um, fantastic name. Go on. <laughs> the first question that he has for you is, as an Australian and therefore an, uh, per automatic and expert on all things dangerous and or poisonous in the animal kingdom, would you say that ponies are edible? Now, the first answer to this is going to be absolutely. And the longer answer to this is, uh, is, is a very simple one, um, which is the two from the sun rule. Uh, one from, anything two from the sun is something probably safe to eat, almost certainly. Um, one from the sun being like plants, vegetation, algae, uh, which isn't technically a plant. That's uh, Kingdom Monocerus, isn't it? Anyway, um, that's one from the sun. Then you've got your herbivores and omnivores. And your omnivores kind of straddle the line, but as long as they're mostly like focusing on a plant-based diet, um, herb herbivorous diet, um, they're good. So that's got your stuff like um, otters, um, uh, stuff that eats like first-tier fish. Um, great, great, great. Now, ponies are definitely that, following that rule. I reckon their diet is way too sweet, though, way too sugary. So they're going to taste like cake meat. Um, I reckon you could really serve one up really well if you counter that with some lemon juice and vinegar, make a really nice vinaigrette of it, um, diced tomatoes, a little bit of onion and garlic. Oh, ponies would be great. That really yeah, so sweet, rich meat would make them a little gamey, but nice. So would you prefer to make a white wine sauce to go along with it or a red wine sauce? You don't like how would you pair it? No, no, you don't. You don't sauce that kind of meat. And I have to ask, Mr. Numbers, do you cook? Mm. I do. I'm. I'm. Oh. Um, I, I. I really enjoy cooking. I actually um, prefer desserts, honestly. But um, I'm one of those Australians who has very rural cousins out in Armadale, and uh, anyone who has ever heard of Armadale has just immediately rolled their eyes and gone, "Yeah, mate, that place." Um, Fuck. One, uh, to, to explain how bogan my Armadale um, cousins are, one of them is a university professor, so he's, he, he thinks some sanity for him, but nah, 
I spent one night at um, 2 a.m. going around to all his mates' place with dry ice bombs because uh, uh, he was <laughs> he was doing drive-by dry ice bombs of his mates he'd stolen from the uni freezer. And he told me to chuck them out the window and then he'd um, man the wheel and go, go, go. You'd hear the whole things blow up from down the street because he packs them. Like, we're talking that... I was like, this is why we do the cast for these kinds of stories. And now he's dead. Clearly, Australia doesn't want to give up its secrets. I could talk in my Australian accent. No! He hunts kangaroos! Oh my god! Alright, what about this? Yay! You were talking about dry eyes. Back. Now, tell us about killing kangaroos, please. Cool. So, yeah, so they're the kind of guys that take me out into the Armadale country in the northern New South Wales. They give me a bolt-action rifle and they say, rabbits, kangaroos, whatever. Um, you kill it, you skin it, you cook it. Um, and you do that. So you do. You... I have no words for this. I have no words. I have no words left. I have nothing left. There we go. You, stick the, you skin the kangaroo, you stick it on a big barbecue, and you make chili out of it. There. End of the story. Maybe <laughs> okay. Move on from this story, the call will stop cutting out. Did Harold Holt go to Equestria? No. Okay. I don't know who that is, but let's move on. He's because... one of our prime ministers that uh, drowned famously. Uh, so we did the most Australian uh, piece of memorial we could for him and named a public swimming pool after him. Yes! I, I heard about this. I get told all what? these stories about Australia. So many of them. And... Your country is just horrible and wonderful, and the thing you do best, without a doubt in my mind, is create warning videos to try to stop kids from doing stupid shit. <laughs> Nobody does that as well as Australia. I'm serious. They all involve, like, dying kids being fried alive and people getting hurt, and it's very graphic, and it's usually funny in how graphic it is. So Australia <laughs> wins. Robert, I'm sorry. I've hung up that they named a Drum Prime Minister on a fucking swimming pool. Okay. I'm good. <clears throat> Alright. Is, is he still here? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I, was All right. I was just... Yeah. Alright, the next question. Do you think the popularity of Friendship and Magic among adults is indicative of good or bad things in modern society, and what would it be? Oh, I think I think it's one of the most fantastic recent developments of uh, modern society because we're going back to the idea that kid shows can be more than just entertainment and that when they do teach a lesson, that lesson doesn't have to be at the expense of entertainment. Like there isn't there isn't a one or the other mentality. Um, kids kids entertainment is honestly very, very tricky to nail because you need to engage the children and the adults equally. Because you've got to make it so that the parents don't mind that the kid's watching it for the 17th time. Um, I Can you guys still hear me? Yes. Cool, good. Um, so I actually want to be um, a children's screenwriter. Um, I'm actually a member of the Australian Writers Guild and everything. Um, oh, shit. Good job. Yeah. So, um, because cause that's, that's exactly what I want to do. And one, one of the things I find really, really interesting and what it comes down to is the best way to write every script, every story, is pretend that your target audience is 21 years old. Because everyone younger than 21 wants to be 21. They want to be that old. And everyone over about 25 
wants to be back at 21, 22. They want, the, they want their all current life experiences and stuff, but they just want to be that age again. So if you, if you t- tend to write about the 22-year-old demographic, you'll find that you appeal to pretty much everyone. Um, and the trick to applying it to kids' TV is you, you're writing as if you're talking to a particularly innocent 21-year-old. Like, want, like that really religious friend you had in university you didn't want to swear around. Oh, oh that asshole. Oh, to be clear, I had those friends, and I destroyed their lives, and sent went out of my way to swear around them. So this is probably not good advice for me. <laughs> In which case, you write Chuck Law screenplays. Or actually, so, I, I, so yeah. you mean cater to the twenty-one-year-old Hank Hills? What? Yeah, yeah. No, that's actually that's a pretty that's a pretty good way to put it. Um. Where Hank Hill wants something that appeals to his very strong moral core, but he still wants to be treated like an adult, too. Like, that's a really surprisingly good way to put it, I think. Good job, Enigma. You weren't shit for a change. I'm proud of you. Do I get a gold star? No. You get a fucking dicking. Next question. (laughs) Um, what, What languages do you speak? Uh, I'm trade secret. I have picked up a lot. I've tried a lot of languages over the years. Um, uh, German, Chinese. Um, I was actually a Chinese copywriter for a while. Um, I, I would get uh, Chinese corporate scripts, uh, stuff like um, Apple um, that wanted to do regional ads in China. And they'd want to do an English translation of it. Um, and that's handled by an Australian firm called Pixel Frame. And I used to copyright for them. I'd get the really bad Chinglish and I would convert that into a proper English script. Um, I I have to say that my language is a really bad, dumb thing that I can never learn, no matter how hard I try or practice. I just oh. don't have the part of my brain for um, polyglottism. Uh, I think a lot of that is because I grew up Australian, and we don't even have the... Um, like, even in the United States, you're encouraged to learn Spanish, and you have natural Spanish speakers around you, um, much to the chagrin of a lot of the population, apparently. Um, in Europe, you're surrounded by different languages. In Australia, you speak Strine. You, you don't get you don't get different languages. You get different regional dialects of English that you have to figure out. Um, and that's about it. So I don't. Ha- I have never really developed the part of my brain that allowed me to learn more than um, basic phrases in the languages I tried to learn. Wow. Oh, I had no yeah. idea there were so many different dialects of actual like. Australian. Yeah, I'm I'm learning that pretty quick. So uh, they're very different. Um, we have a question from the chat. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a simple question: Do you plan ahead of time, or do you write spontaneously? Both, absolutely both. Um, I figure out what all my major beats and notes for a chapter are going to be for the plot, and I don't. What I never ever ever plan is how my characters will react to it how my characters will react to each other. Um, because what I find is that when you when you don't plan your plot, you tend to get lost, aimless, you tend to lose your rhythm, you tend to lose your beat, you um, get directionless. But if you plan your characters, um, they, you, the story starts feeling artificial. Um, it starts feeling either rote uh, in, a, in a good situation or it tends to feel um, wooden or it tends to feel out of character because you're trying to force the characters into the beats you've already written. 
And what I find is if I can't get the characters to react naturally to the beats as written or they change the pacing, I haven't written the characters wrong, I've written the beats wrong, and I will reassess what I need to do. And I'll tend to have the same end point for the chapter, but how I'll get there, um, I will sit down and replan based on, oh, I totally miscalculated how rarity should actually feel to this now that I've actually seen how people address it. Um, just as often as not, they will actually shorten the chapter as it will lengthen it because um, you lengthen it because, oh, this, this doesn't fit neatly. I don't, but sometimes it shortens it because, oh, this character actually acts with more rationality and common sense. And if I keep this plot beat as it is, it will start feeling contrived. Um, and if you ever feel like that, you're completely free to just pave over it because rather than forcing your characters into that plot, it's obviously not a good plot and you're allowed to do that. Like, that's not a failure for you as a writer trying to work around it or, or, or brute force it. That would be the real failure. I can't echo this enough. Uh, everything you said right now, specifically about not only being okay with completely scrapping a scene and rewriting it, but about making sure you don't over plan your characters' reactions to things or too much of their dialogue. There has to be some natural flow. I, I cannot echo what you've said enough. And, and Priest, you have personal experience of me saying we need to rewrite the scene entirely. So. It's true. You can't just create drama for the sake of creating drama. It has to happen. It has to have some natural rhythm to it. And some of that is just once you're there in the moment, seeing what happens. But pencil, it's just my style. Oh, dude, fuck you for that. Fuck anyone who says that to me. When I say you need to fix this and somebody says, but that's just how I write. That's just my style. Like, this is incorrect punctuation. You don't get to say this is your fucking style, you little child. Grow the fuck up and learn to edit. I'm done. I'm sorry. It's actually pretty, it's actually pretty terrible because the next question is actually for Otaku. Specifically. Oh, right? Because Enigma? he's always on the podcast. Everyone, he, he has a question for Enigma. Why are we giving him attention? Fuck it. Okay. Attention? Snakeskin asks, can you tell us about your dragon story? No! We're not doing this again! We are not doing this today! I do not have the patience for this. Oh, actually, I did, I did do a... I would love to talk about my dragon story. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, no, please! Numbers, talk about your dragon story! You I wrote an actual book. I wrote an actual children's book, um, which I will be grabbing a link for now, called Trent the Pragmatic Nottonites, a bedtime story for cynical children. And it's but about a dragon. It's a kid's book entirely about a dragon. Oh, that's the kind of dragon story we want to read about. Enigma. The dragon in your story, but the dragon in your story has tits, right? Uh, Children love that. <laughs> I hate you so much, Enigma. <laughs> no, you don't. You love me. Um, while while you hand out the the link to your actual story, which is great, please show yourself, please. Um. I don't quite have the balls to uh, chill. My oh my god, it's actually on place. iTunes. Yeah, it's le it's legit. It's in the chat, we will include it at the bottom of the YouTube link uh, for those who are interested. Um, that said, next question. Uh, back to everyone of the guests. You are a pony, and you are in a Pony on Earth story, and you and Best Pony have been through a bunch of adventures. The shit has hit the fan, and the government is sending an army of scary men in black suits and sunglasses to capture Best Pony in you. It turns into a car chase, and you, against an armada of black sedans and vans with tinted windows and possibly more, with, to your knowledge, Best Pony's friends observing you with a scrying orb in Equestria, being able to see you, 
see everything you do. What do you do? Where does this take place? And what are the music tracks that are playing during it? Obviously, obviously, I'm driving a golf cart, um, screaming the entire time while the while the radio plays the Benny Hill theme at full volume. And it does so down the streets of San Francisco directly into the bay where I finally meet my demise. The end. So I'm picturing that one chase scene from All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Sounds pretty accurate. Well, since I clearly have Cadence, who's tied up in the back of my car against her will, um, <laughs> I would probably throw her out of panic. Uh, I was going to say, I think the, I, I have a fundamental problem with the question, which is that Equestria doesn't have cars. So if they have cars, it's obviously because I've gone to the Equestria to introduce cars. Oh, no, no, no. It. It, it's Pony on Earth. Oh, Earth. Uh, Pony, Pony on Earth. Earth. Pony on Earth. Okay. You, you okay. are in a My Little Dashie, except you get to choose who the Dashie is. Oh. And it's not written like shit. Hi, Rob. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I love Rob. He's great. Well, um, I, I, I don't drive either, so it would have to be the Pony driving. So I would have to say that would be Twilight or Rarity? Because uh, I'm not letting a non-unicorn drive. And that they, they both that that helps me narrow down who best pony is. Um, in either case, I'm going to say whatever it is. It's going to be um, playing uh, "Cry for Judas" by the Mountain Goats, um, and it's going to be super angsty. Um, and the government <laughs> is going to be like a super allegory for I don't know politics. I guess it's a political allegory for politics. Um, numbers, 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 numbers. Uh, Aragon is screaming in the chat. Don't say "Cry for Judas." As <laughs> I told him in PM, as soon as you asked the question, I've been saving that up. <laughs> He's just screaming now. I knew it. I fucking knew it. <laughs> oh. Um. The next question comes from a Vlade. Oh, you all said the drinking word, by the way. Oh, oh. Drink, 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 drink. Everyone, drink, drink with us today. Ugh. Gumba. I haven't had enough. Blade asks, and I'll get it right this week. Mm-hmm. Suck. Oh, with two C's, right? Because they've uh, infiltrated my chat now too. Um, oh God, have they? I'm sorry. I'm going to say no with a question mark, followed by maybe with an ellipses, followed by no comma, probably. Perfect. Those uh, were answers to questions. Now we have questions from OMG Beta. Uh, number one, who is the best character in the show? That's Alex, your favorite. It asks who the best one is. Yeah, that's that's a, it's a completely different question. Um, now, in the old days, I would have said Twilight. Like, season one, season two, I would absolutely say Twilight because she was a very effective way of having an audience surrogate. Uh, she, she was a strong enough character on her own, um, absolutely, um, one of my favourites. Um, but she, because she was a newcomer to Ponyville, you could tell what was weird and what wasn't and get a sense of grounding from the episode, from how she perceived things. Like, if Twilight found something weird, that meant it was weird even in-universe. And you can't get something like that from Pinky. He'll just take everything on the chin or be the thing that Twilight is finding weird. Um, and in that situation, she was a very... She was a character that doubled as a very effective tool. Um, and I, I appreciated that. 
Um, but because she's become a princess, become the status quo, kind of, st- she's become a very awkward protagonist in that they try to treat her like a protagonist and like the Celestia and like so many other things at the same time. It's very, I can't say she's the best character anymore because they've completely screwed up even what they feel like they want to try to do with her. Um, so that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I would probably say at the moment, Apple Bloom, which surprises even me. Really? Um, well, like, like the Cutie Mark Crusaders as a group, because at this, or Rainbow Dash, because they're the ones that have been at this point most effectively showing growth over the seasons. They've had the most adaptive change. They've, they're the ones that have shown that um, the story isn't necessarily timeless. It's actually progressing over the course of years. Things are actually changing and affecting your characters. Rainbow Dashway actually make it into the Wonderbolts, though how effectively they pull off the Wonderbolts is another debate entirely. Um, mm. And the Cutie Mark Crusaders, now that they've actually got their Cutie Marks, um, has shown like adaptability to changing characters. Um, I'd like them to do a little bit more with expanding the Cutie Mark Crusaders, but this late in the series, I would say they're the best characters that actually effectively follow through with what their intended purpose for the story is. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty fair. Um, is there an episode of the show that you just hate, that you completely dislike? Yeah, Spike at your service. Thank you! Oh, Are you not a fan of the Spike? No, no, I love Spike. Oh, I hate how he was written and characterized. Okay, like, okay. That's an episode that reflects really, like, doesn't do the character justice. Um, that, like, again, it was... It was that, that's, that, that was a script by Meriwether Williams, I think, um, who is uh, My Little Pony screenwriter, I find offensively bad. Um, like, at a prof- deeply professional level, I find her writing awful and insulting. Um, it was, like, Spike at Your Service especially was a plot stolen straight from the Brady Bunch. Um, it's been retread for years and years and years and years. That forced char- that forced Spike into a lot of awkward positions. His character wasn't designed to do. Like he's designed to be a self-reliant assistant for Twilight, especially like you see in the first season that he's very self-reliant and has his own motivation, and he's mostly there to be the grounding force for Twilight. And that doesn't work when you start trying to twist him into a character that spins his wheels and has no direction unless he's related to Twilight. Um, that, that that's the really really key thing for me is that Spike at your service was when they stopped defining Spike as relation to himself and defining him as his relation to other characters. And as soon as you do that, you stop the character from being able to exist in a vacuum as their own independent force, and you significantly weaken them. You put them on a foundation that is other people. Um, And I think that's really important to think about because a lot of people do this um, when they don't know how to write Twilight by defining her entirely by a relationship with Celestia, which is why I have a special hatred in my heart for um, people who can only write um, Twilight as thinking about how she'll disappoint her friends or Celestia. Um, like, um, yeah, well, basically what I've already said. I don't know oh. I don't know why I was trailing off there because I had no more past that point. I backed myself into a verbal corner, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. We, we totally oh, get right. it. I'm a terrible author. We, we understand. It's all good. We get it. <laughs> really, I'm sorry, but like, I just hate Spike so much. I remember when he was in the original series. I hated them too. I hate him in everything. God, he's so shit. I wish he would die, but not really, because then what would I hate? Enigma. I think the I best. I, I think if. Sorry. I think the best potential for Spike that I've seen, um, or the best 
pulling him off to what his original one was was actually um by a YouTuber the um the advanced series the mentally advanced series how they do Spike with the Scottish accent um where he's just oh, this kind one. of bitter cynical yeah I think or Rainbow that Dash version of Spike yeah Rainbow Dash presents yeah. that's yeah, wonderful yeah yes that Spike is the best possible way i feel to use the original intended spike tool as a character but that I spike is like totally there. apathetic he just doesn't give a fuck he's like Which is your be doing. i'm just right. gonna walk he's not, he's not how the spike spike is used in the show um well he's not the spike character but he's the spike tool like he like because the rainbow dash presents twilight is also a hardened bitter alcoholic so that 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 kind of spike bounces off that kind of twilight better. Mm-hmm. Basic that that version of Spike is aware that he's an indentured servant. Yeah. yeah. Which he should be because he is, and he's so shit at it. I'm sorry, I hate him so much. <laughs> so in non-Spike abuse, uh, the next mm-hmm. question is who is best princess and why? Uh, Celestia is worst princess um straight out i would say i would say cadence yes fuck <laughs> oh boy i take it this is a running thing behind you well okay so celestia has the same problem as spike as a lot of the characters that start off season one season two the original plan for celestia was to kill her off at the end of season two and have twilight take her place and become the princess which is why yeah, having Celestia and Twilight exist at the same time destroys both characters, kind of like the Harry Potter Voldemort sort of thing. Um, they Instead of having two strong characters, um, because they have a sort of equal strength and position in the plot, they halve each other's potency relevant to each other, and that's a problem. So you can't say Twilight is best princess because she can't be put into the Celestia position while Celestia is still there and she's worshipping her, and she can't be the best Twilight because she's also being given that power anyway and is now actively not doing anything with it, which is weird and uncomfortable to watch a lot of times. Um, especially when the show actually chooses to focus on it and acknowledge that's a thing they did. Um, Luna, I really like as a character, but I like her a lot more with how fa- How fans use her is what I'm assuming. Uh, you'll need I, know to how priest, I know how Priest uses her. Wow. That, that is that gross. How- How's that shrine going for you? Yeah, how's that shrine going, Priest? I'll have to tell him. I'm going to tell Mr. Numbers when he gets back. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him all about. Um, we, we dropped out around where you said that Luna is basically better as the way the fans interpret her. But they all want to share yeah. about my Cadence fascination first. No, no we need well, to do this. I would like to say Cadence. Yeah, you, there's a shrine. We'll get back into it. I want to give him some vindication before you beat the shit out of him. I want to give him <laughs> some material to defend himself with. Fine, fine. Cadence was introduced as Twilight's sort of babysitter mentor in season two that is a non-conflicting Celestia. It's like she's she's more of like a, a childhood role model than like a mentor role model. Um, so she doesn't conflict with any other characters. She introduces more um, aspects and she then immediately they figure out we want her to continue not conflicting with the cast let's use her to expand the universe let's give her her own kingdom her own source of power her own canon and then develop that off screen in finales when we need to use her to have the maximum impact um like when you want to go full high fantasy full high adventure with the crystal kingdom and then not 
waste her character the rest of the time. Um, not dilute her, not limit her potential, like they did with Celestia, like they did with Luna, where they really box them in. Like, they do that every single time Celestia loses to Chrysalis, every time she gets warped. They, her, her universe, her power gets smaller and smaller. Cadence have haven't done that with. Cadence have just given her own section of the map, her own kingdom, her own potential, and then never explored that and left that as a big what-if question mark in your mind. And that's good. That's really effective high fantasy writing because it gives you this huge idea and doesn't limit it. Um, and then they've continued to build on that by giving you more question marks and what-ifs. They've made her pregnant with Shining Armor. They've made her ha have a kid. They've made uh, whatever your issues with Flurry Heart legitimate as they might be are. It's interesting that Cadence is still being used even now to build the mythology of the world outside herself while still being a character that doesn't conflict with any other. Like Twilight conflicting with Celestia, like... um. Yeah. I really loved how you said canon. Oh, do you say canon, do you? That sounds pretty. You can keep it, saying that for a while. Anyway, Pencil, okay. you want to talk about the, the shrine. Yes, I do. So, everyone knows that Priest's waifu is Princess Cadence. When I find this out, I decided to see how far it, it you know, the extent it went. I know you had some fan art, Priest. I know you had some stuff here and there now now what do you have now what do you have priest oh i suppose through various gifts and conventions and stuff i have the better part of 67 cadence buttons all of them are different particular a, a pink fedora they're on a pink fedora Continue. yes with oh god six now six different plushies um, that have been sent to me or given to me in some way. And then, lo and behold, because I swore on my life I would never get one. The moment you said that, I had to get it for you. Fucking Anon Pencil sends me a motherfucking Cadence Daki Makara, which <laughs> someone doesn't know what that fucking is. That's one of the big fucking huge huggy pillows. And yes... Uh -oh. There is a side where it's she looks at you, up at you seductively with, with an open mouth. Mess. With her hair a mess. Basically, Radiant. she gave him a waifu pillow. I did. Waifu one will do. I did this, and uh, then I proceeded to berate him constantly whenever he mentions Cadence. So that's kind of... Uh, that's how he works. That's how it works. He, I, I get him nice things, and then I yell at him for having nice things. It's Is that about that's accurate, like, please? That's that, like that, giving him a. That's like giving him a pair of underwear and then making fun of him for still wearing underwear. No, that wouldn't happen. I'd give him underwear, and then I'd say, "Wear that underwear," and then he'd feel embarrassed because of the kind of underwear I'd get him. That's really accurate, actually. <laughs> I think this reflects more on you than on priest. Oh no, it does. It so does. You're absolutely right. <laughs> But it also reflects on All right, as long as you've got that established. me. So there you go. <sighs> just so okay. we know, those, those stains on the waifu pillow are just drool stains and nothing else, right? Moving on to something <laughs> that we'll likely talk more about at our live BabsCon uh, fucking cast. Okay. Um, we have questions from Dr. Foxwolf. Um, so we're going to jump down to those. Um, what oh, is the minimum requirement? 
God damn it, serious questions. Oh, God. Here we go. Everybody take a drink. No, everybody take a drink. We're about to start in on the serious questions. Aragon. What are the minimum requirements of intelligence to be considered a person? Um... Well, actually, um, eight hours a week I spend volunteering teaching uh, mentally disabled children electronics and um, giving them job skills. So I find that question is kind of trying way too hard to be edgy because I guarantee you a lot of the people I've, I've taught, a lot of the kids that I've taught that uh, this question would probably try to imply as subhuman. Um, I find charming and nice and have absolutely no problems with like they're very charismatic people um i feel like asking loaded questions like that probably reflects worse on again you for asking the question as opposed to the people you would otherwise be trying to implicate thank you that that's my only response to that thank you next question uh the next question does a person's bodily state affect their humanity Bodily state affect their humanity. I um, think what uh, you as in is a person with a missing body part less human than one who is whole, or say a cyborg if their blood is replaced with not, the oil, they store. Or if we attach lizard until, tails to people, I would say not until they add things like prosthetics, and that doesn't so much lessen their humanity so much as make them a percentage machine to replace it. And on the whole, I'd call that a net win. That's fucking baller. Like that's not to be yeah. not, that's not to be ashamed of. You make you you're slowly making yourself more Robocop. Because cyborgs. Because cyborgs. Murphy. I'm I'm gonna condense the next question a little bit. Um, who's better off in the adult world? Someone who's tried their hardest and never really did much better than average, or someone who didn't try at all but uh, had everything easily given to them. Okay. Um I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I could, in any conscionable way, say the latter. Um, yeah, former, hands down, considering that someone with, say, extreme depression or similar mental illnesses could try really, really hard just to be able to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and that in, in and of itself is an accomplishment for these people. So, like, I... Next question? I would disagree. One of the things it says is who's better off in the adult world. Um, unfortunately, in uh, our lovely country, it's the kid who gets the straight A's no matter how hard he works. Uh, it, who's better off, not who's a better person. I miss yep. oh, yes, the yeah, who's, yeah. who's, who's better, better off. off. So it's, it's off? the kid who gets straight A's. It's basically a it's basically a wealth and power or now a... what's really interesting about that is that you um this actually gets back to something like um utilitarian utilitarian um philosophy and that they can have that and as long as they've had it since birth they're um which is seems to be what the question is implying um mm -hmm. it's it's a natural thing for them um mm -hmm. they don't perceive that as a as a, a benefit that that's their normal um whereas someone who tries hard and gets average results might actually have a greater net happiness overall because those accomplishments that are hard won for them are spikes of because the thing is the human mind doesn't see greatness and then just feel great what it does is it feels greatness for about a month and then resets that to be the new normal so that you feel the loss if you lose any individual part of that but 
if you want to do more reading on that, there's an article on it um, on that kind of um, happiness metric in a book called uh, The Philosophy of Terry Pratchett, which uh, explores those those philosophical concepts really well with um, Pratchett's better known characters. Um, I highly recommend it. Do you have it, to know it, a lot about this world in order to be able to get into it? You do not. Okay. Cool. Good. There we go. Um, next, uh, what do you think would hurt worse? Being stabbed in the gut with a chicken, uh, chicken knife. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that sounds painful. <sighs> being stabbed in the gut with a kitchen knife or being shot in the shoulder with a hunting rifle. I have a question. Are chicken knives what you give the, the roosters in a cockfight? No, those are spurs. You tie them on to their, uh, feet. Uh, it's razor blades when you do that. Anyway, why am I telling you this? You're the Mexican. Well, caliber yeah. rifle. That is the that is the big question, isn't it? Um, three oh eight. How big an exit wound are we talking here? Three oh eight. Three oh eight. Three oh eight. Yeah. Probably the three oh eight to the shoulder, especially because that's like people think shoulder, like because of movies, that it's not gonna hurt as much. But the problem is the shoulder is where a lot of really fine bone work is. Like um, it's like uh the the ball and socket joint that is your shoulder is really really nasty when even like a little bit of the ligament um comes apart um whereas uh if any of you know magello he can tell you firsthand that um being stabbed in the gut with a kitchen knife by an angry ex is reasonably survivable uh, and gets you a bitch and scar I, I haven't been stabbed badly in the abdomen but i was accidentally stabbed in the abdomen and i can vouch it it is um not as painful as you'd think and is more shocking than anything else yeah you probably wouldn't really well i mean you can probably die from getting stabbed in the gut the right way but you probably won't i've written die about it yes you can no, yeah you, I, you yeah you can you can but, but we're talking about what's more painful and what's more lethal isn't always what's more painful oh. yes well, being stabbed okay. in the shoulder will hurt a lot just so you know next question have you ever really related to a character in a story or movie i mean like really related to them much more than you normally do uh even though that character isn't supposed to be a scene as very relatable and oh my god if you say requiem for a dream i'm gonna cry wow that's quite a question i gotta think about that because i absolutely absolutely have and i'm trying to remember what it was um i really identified as godzilla hey man i understand that happens to the best of us are, are you telling me that there hasn't been times in your life where you stood up and you thought that you were a uh, you know 80 foot monster tearing down Japan does that explain why sometimes I would walk around stomping around and pretend I have three fingers very, very short arms well your dick isn't a finger enigma I is this your number still with us? Is, and is this your number yeah. still with us? Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking very I'm hard. Just trying to make time while he thinks. Just so you know, Freeze, you failed Julio, with that joke. Julio is um, reminding me of the thing I'm trying to... Oh! Oh, that's right. Uh, there is a short story um, that Julio is reminding me of, which is exactly what I was trying to think about that actually I related to so hard I had an existential crisis that lasted for hours and left me in tears. Uh, called We Know the Devil. Um, uh, let me find... Because it's, it's by an obscure... Um, I think like... Um, ah, here we go. I found it on Steam. We Know the Devil visual novel. 
Um, I highly recommend it. I don't see many people talk about this because it's a very, I think it's a very obscure game, but it's got a nine out of 10 rating on steam for a reason. And it genuinely broke me. It, it is a game that genuinely broke me and Julio both, but we relate. The funny thing is we relate to two completely different characters. Um, and it uh, still hit us that hard. Aragon is saying, stop saying Julio, say Aragon. No, I don't want to drink. I was a bit Aragon. insulted at first because I thought you were referring to me as Julio. <laughs> no. You, and you now said you twice, and we have to drink twice. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Enigmatic Julio. <laughs> Not anywhere near my name, but still. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, okay. What, what, what do we have next? Uh, how long do you think the lifespan would be of someone whose curiosity far outclasses one's sense of self-preservation? Could you repeat okay. that? Because I didn't understand a word of it. Uh, what, do you think of the, what do you think the lifespan would be of someone whose curiosity outweighs their sense of self-preservation? Uh, well, I'm going on 21. Um, yeah. I'll get back to you. That'll be my epitaph. My answer will just be, to answer your question... And then whatever my day of death was. Really? That was a that Good was job. a fancy way of just saying curiosity killed a cat. But at what age was the cat? Well, babies well, last a long time, yet. and they are they're one hundred percent curiosity and zero percent self preservation. So there you go. Uh, I once jumped off a five meter high bridge at low tide in a swan dive just to see if it was um the water was deep enough to do it into. That is a bad was... decision, no matter how you swing it. That was fun though. Did everyone else do it? Did you get hurt? Did you get really fucked up? No. Lucky bastard. You are a lucky son of a bitch. You know that? No, it it's was also... um, it was a beach. I'd seen people doing it at reasonably high tide, and I made an educated guess how deep the water was, but I didn't know for sure. And like, I could the only way to really feasibly get down off that bridge was to you know dive. Hold on a second, because I think my mind just literally broke. Did you jump off a bridge because you literally saw other people doing it? No, they followed me. Oh. <laughs> Even better. Even better, because who is more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Oh. There you go. I was the lead lemming, motherfucker. Oh, what a good little lemming you were. I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm proud of you. I'm less ashamed of you now, because you did it first, and other people did it after. And Did any of them get hurt? No, but they did some wicked sick backflips. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's you do it. Stray you, mate. You know, not, a, not only is he lucky, but he's also, like, has deus ex powers because of that shit he did earlier. But if I did that, I would have cracked my fucking neck. <laughs> oh, Americans. All right. Um, let's get nihilistic. Uh, is there a point in fearing death when it comes for all of us all eventually anyways? Yes, I'm going to say I'm very nihilistic myself, um, so I'm going to say no. Uh, there isn't really. Um, once you die... Clean slate, you don't even have memories to regret, so you know, fuck it. Carpe diem. Nailed it. Throw my body over the gates and have the wolves have them. I have a, I have a rather unusual perspective on death, and I do think it's uh, pointless to fear death necessarily. I mean, a little bit of fear of death is healthy. That's how you don't die. But other than that, it is. I think it's perfectly reasonable to be resentful of death more than to fear it. And that's just what I'm gonna say about that. What's interesting for me is that I don't really have I, – I, I live in this weird half state between I'm not afraid of anything and I'm afraid of everything because I have really nasty PTSD. Um, oh, I thought. Me too. 
Yeah, when I was uh, when I was sixteen, when I was just getting into the pony fandom. Actually, um, before that, um, I survived a murder attempt. Uh, someone came Jesus very, very Christ. close to beating me, de- uh, beating me to death. You could hear my skull crack from twenty meters away, apparently, uh, according Holy to the police shit. statements later. Yeah. You so um, glad you're with us. So, but like, oh, as well, like after that, I then got mugged by four guys at a train station with knives. Um, like within like three months of that happening. Oh God. So we shouldn't go to Australia then. Oh no, so it's just that, me. About my it's agoraphobia, just... it's getting worse. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's that's the thing. I'm the, I, I am an agoraphobic, um, but oh, I'm not God. afraid when I get I, I get all the symptoms of the the stress and the anxiety, but I'm not actually scared because I I'm so burned out on the fear responses. I can't really feel fear, but I still get all the adrenaline responses. So it makes me feel exhausted and tired, but I'm so I mean, I, I've survived being stabbed, set on fire, uh, set on fire with lasers, actually. Um, wow. That sounds that like was... it might have been self-inflicted. No. Um, really? Yuppie bullies. Oh, they, they, bit. Wow, I'm sorry. They managed to find, um, they managed to find the, the black web websites where you could get the super illegal laser pointers. And it turns wow. out if they sit behind you in class and hold it on, um, get three of them to hold it on the same spot on your shirt, they can set the back of your shirt on fire. Um, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, shanked, stabbed. Uh, I got crammed into a locker um, until I passed out back in high school. Um, I got mugged twice in my own street. Uh, both times I won. That was fun. Damn. Yeah, dude. I, 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 I understand why you'd be agoraphobic. I, I am also agoraphobic. I wrote a fucking story today about agoraphobia for, for film fiction. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. I envy you your burnout on the fear response, though. I wouldn't mind having some of the adrenaline without all of the jitters and the rest of it. I kind of envy you that. I really do. Yeah. So it's, ah, oh, it's not, it's not healthy because um, when 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 that burns out, it's because you've really burned out hard, um, yeah. really hard. But um, yeah. So that's that's my answer. No, there's no real reason to fear death. Carpe diem. Um, I'll still thumb my nose at the ass, though. The, there are a lot more realistic things to be afraid of, and those are the things that reduce your quality of life. Like, uh, don't fear death, but definitely fear, say, dismemberment. Or taxes. Oh yeah, my God. taxes. Taxes are definitely definitely one of them. Uh, don't dodge them, unless you're my dad. <laughs> so, speaking of things to fear, uh, the next question is actually related to that. Oh, Are you perfect. aware of an OC called Thing Pony? No. You are so, from the Chans, and you have never seen Thing Pony. Well, time to get a uh, picture of Thing Pony. I'll be so right I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not from the Chan. I'm not actually from the Chan. I'm just aware oh. of Chan culture from the outside. Well, so, are you aware of the movie The Thing? Horror movie. John Carpenter's. Not, not, not uh, the Fantastic Four thing. No, The Thing. Oh! Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Fantastic. Okay, well, um, Thingpone is a creature that was created, and uh, I have a little picture of her, and she's adorable. So would you a Thingpone? Uh, before I've even opened it, probably. Let's be honest here. She's a sweet little adorable creature, and she would. she's just she's terrifying, but she's a sweet little adorable creature. When she's... And you can... When she's calm and happy, she's just like a normal horse. But when she begins to feel really drastic emotions, her body begins to break down. And also her mouth opens up into all these like parts and she starts to change shape and she bloats and shit. And you can touch her and she won't assimilate you. Uh, I'm going to say 
No. You would not a thing pun? You don't find uh, those extra teeth sexy? I say don't stick your dick in cray cray. And that's pretty cray cray. That is pretty cray cray. You're right. You're right. You're right. Fair enough. The final question from Doctor Fox Wolf before, because we're we're we only got like we're so far behind. We're so far behind. Like this week's ridiculous. Um, what if the invasion of Canterlot was just Chrysalis being super yandere for shining armor? Uh, sorry, could you repeat that? What if the invasion of Canterlot was just Chrysalis being super yandere for shining armor? That's what I thought you said. Um. Yeah, what is uh, that? Oh. That would that would counteract that would counteract the current season finale because that would mean Chrysalis's love was, was freely given. So that, been, that contradicts that, that that question contradicts current current canon, canon whatever. Canon, I love that. Oh, well, canon is actually an enemy, so I think. Yeah, but what isn't? It, it could have ended oh, with it bad. could have ended with it could have ended with Chrysalis and Shiny's he- severed head on a nice boat. I'm going to step away for a moment, boys. I'll be right back. All righty. So we'll move to the next question then, though. Uh, we have questions from Manafi. Uh, he had, here's the first question. What is the largest spider you have ever seen? Uh, uh, that I can see right now is the size of my open hand. Uh, that's a St. Andrew's cross in my backyard. Um By biomass, I would say the two giant huntsmen that were the size of a dinner plate directly above my pillow when I woke up two years ago. Um, and those, and so when I woke up, I woke up at the start because there were two spiders the size of a dinner plate. Um, and the, the me suddenly sitting up caused both of them to jump <laughs> over my head God. and cross my room. They, they was more scared by me than me of them, uh, which is saying something. They crossed my entire bedroom in two jumps. One off the wall, one off the center of the room, gone out the door. Um, which was worse for me because that meant there were still two giant dinner plate sized spiders in my house and I didn't know where they were. <laughs> Why do you choose to continue living in Australia? Uh... Well, I'm looking to study abroad uh, for my next degree, so there's that. Oh, do you have a type? So I have a type. There's a lot of type of broads out there. Uh, I keep coming I back think. to these perfect moments. <laughs> and so he had, had he, he had a scary encounter with two, two giant ass spiders. That's what you missed. Oh, all right. Well, well, what about broads? I'm I'm, free to, I'm ready to talk about broads. Let's talk about broads. Let's do this. I'm ready. He said he wanted to study abroad. I made a pun. Oh, God. Yeah, that was my reaction, too. It's all good. Yeah, okay. Uh, if any of you are in this kind of stuff, what ships should we see more on Fimfic? Uh, they've pretty much all been done to death about five years into the fandom, and that's fine. But at the start, where ships were a rare and precious treasure, um, I would have absolutely said uh, Twinkie, uh, Twilight Pinkie Pie. I think their personalities complement each other very well. Um, something I agree with with um, Chuck Finley, um, who did um, the domain spin-off, The Quiet Equestrian, uh, is that Twilight and Pinky do not work long-term with each other nine times out of ten. They, they get together spectacularly, and they fall apart spectacularly. And that sweet romantic honeymoon period is explosive whilst it lasts. And I completely agree with that, 
And I also think that it's kind of worth it. I, I, I super dig it. I super dig all three parts of that equation. Alrighty. Uh, what's the weirdest story idea you've ever written or thought of? Uh, oh, that's a really easy one for me. Um, so at the start of the show, in the intro, there's a Celestia's throne is directly on top of a fountain. Um, and I thought, man, wouldn't it be funny if that was the fountain of youth? And that was what was giving her her powers. Um, like, it turns out she's, like, being an alicorn isn't, isn't, isn't a huge deal at all. It's just, what if she's just literally sitting on the fountain of youth? Uh, why else build your entire city on a mountain so precariously? Um, and Aragon's immediate response, take a drink, that I absolutely yeah. loved and ran with, was, uh, hang on, it's under her throne. What if it's a bidet? Oh, my God. <laughs> I should not have been drinking for that. <laughs> Fantastic. I love this. This is good. I need this. This is great. And so that would probably be my... I, I, when I have really dumb stories, I tend to write, uh, make a story um, thing, like the, the, the template for it um, on film fiction. Um, and if I come back to it, I'll come back to it. But... Um, because what how film fiction used to work, I'm not sure if it still does, but um, before the the automatic queue, what they did was um, it was based on how long the story had been on the site, not how long it had been submitted for. So if you make the template outline for the story eight months ago and then write it into the intervening eight months, it's going to jump the queue ahead of everyone who had written or started their story in the intervening time. Because what most people do is write it in GDocs, import it on the day they're going to submit. Um, so that's how I cheated. Um, the secret that the mods don't want you to know. Huh. Uh, I'm here. I'm ready. Here we go. Uh, so what I'm hearing is before Genfic comes out, I need to begin making all my sweet Steven Universe fan fiction ideas as, as ideas now. Yeah. Like, uh, give them the cover art, write the short and long story description. Um, the actual chapter is pretty much superfluous at that point. Here we go. Um, Twilight Sparkle invents the metric system. Um, <clears throat> that was going to be a good one. Major pain in the foot. Oh, yeah, that was about um, proper... I was going to do an entire story about the proper um, horseshoeing and um, pedicure treatments of horses because it's actually super important, and I would have thought it would be funny to apply Earthworld's horse caringness that um, has an actual done. in-universe thing oh I've been yeah. To do that farriers. yeah but according to this i came up with that idea in 2012 so i probably beat you to it hmm. um so i want to hammer hooves on i want to hammer shoes on to rarity clearly that's what everyone wants precipitate hammer shoes you ha you do hammer them well on. you know knock boots ha <laughs> ah I got it. Yeah, now you're getting to the pun spirit of things. Oh, God, what have you done to you? I'm so sorry. We're having pun. Price, I will fucking gut you. Don't you Welcome mean you'll... to the good pun cast. Punish him? Yes! <laughs> okay, now another question. Let's, let's move on. Um, just for fun, let's pretend that you are invited by the main six to spend time with them all at Fluttershy's Cottage. But because of scheduling errors you'll be helping out with a seemingly straightforward project instead. That task is to work with Spoiled Rich, Sven Gallop, Spitfire, 
a drunk King Sombra who won't share his booze, the real villain, and Zephyr Breeze to construct a shack for one of Fluttershy's animals. Assuming you have to stick with it and not purposefully hurt anyone, how do you manage? Oh, as soon as you said not purposely, no. No, there's some wiggle room there. Bullets at each of their heads. Don't worry, it will be painless. <laughs> That's cold. That is cold-blooded. Way to go. Hey, right, you that... said you didn't have to hurt them. That's my answer. Yeah. I'm sticking to it. Sam, cold-blooded. If you were to numb the their... shack out of their corpses. Well, if you were bones. to numb their senses with some sort of drug, would that still count as hurting them? The poison is, oh, you know, like us. I think we may have lost him. Uh, we've lost us. you. Numbers. Nope. You see, we're on this now. We know how this goes. We have a routine. It's okay. I have some crazy editing to do for this week. <laughs> Barbiturates and sombras booze would do it. Uh, there you go. Well done. Okay. What's the next question? Um, now we have questions from Major Dude. Uh, what advice would you give to an MLP writer? Um, this is something I'm stealing. I'm blatantly stealing off Colton Gardez, um from years and years and years ago. Um, write your interpretation of the characters. Don't write the characters as canon, because the characters, the characters, when you just write what you've seen from canon, you you, you get to a point where you're just getting like rarity to say worst possible thing. She did that in one episode, and getting her to do that past that point is. Yeah, it's canon, but it feels cheap. It feels hollow. I, I, I would. We've lost. Oh, you no way again. Oh. Yeah. I love how he says canon. It's like a non, but he has like a new name in front of sometimes a new surname. Sticks, sometimes it doesn't. Um. So yeah, I would. Uh, so I would say write, write and extra extrapolate the characters. Don't write what you've seen them do. Don't write the write the logical extremes of your interpretation. All right, that, that makes, makes total sense to me. Um, I'm gonna take a question that was answered way back. I'm very sorry it took so long. Um, David Silver, the maker of Pony Finder, asks: uh, Are there any tropes that simply cannot be used in fiction these days? Short answer: No. Long answer: I'm sure there's some very very difficult ones, but um. I mean, Neil Gaiman pretty much nailed in the coffin that nothing can be used effectively by writing um, a second-person future tense short story that was absolutely amazing. Like, someone just told him it can't be done, and he wrote it in the form of a prophecy being addressed to the reader, and it was absolutely legitimately spine-tingling and fantastic. And so after that point, I'm going to say there is nothing that you can't do, but there is a lot of things that you shouldn't do unless you're specifically doing it out of spite. It was all just a dream? Yes, that was the exact example. I might have stopped paying attention, paying attention a bit there, but it sounded to me like you said Gabe Newbel made a fan, fan fiction out of Spike. Nope, you heard nothing correct there. You were wrong you about everything nothing. you heard. Enigma, are you actually high? No. Okay. No, sure. You're just reason... naturally that shit. The reason it was all a dream is so terrible is because it feels like it invalidates um, the entire experience of the rest of the yeah. story. Mm -hmm. yep. Right, which which it, that means it doesn't reward any of the characters for good things they've done, and it doesn't give them retribution or punishment for bad things they've done. 
However, I reckon you could use it was all a dream very effectively if it's being done as a tragedy prophecy. Like, like I reckon you could do it really well if you took, let's say, Macbeth, and the entire story was um, for, or Groundhog Day. Groundhog yeah, Day no, is a two words describing Groundhog Day. Well, Groundhog Day is a better example of it because it keeps doing it. Like it, it's very aware of what it's doing, where it's taking a. Oh God! Yeah, he's, he's kill again. He's out again. We should move on from this question. It's breaking this thing. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Groundhog Day manages to pull it off by simply doing it so often that that feeling of it being lost is the experience. Like it's not yeah. an unwanted consequence of the taking back but it is an intentional consequence. So I think what it comes down to is anything can be done effectively if you're doing it with self-awareness of what the intended emotional response is. But if you're writing for pony fan fiction, please don't ever make the ending and it was all just a dream. Please, please don't do that. Like, for the love of God, guys, you don't need it's, to be doing that in your life. It's not so don't tell people not to do that, otherwise they're going to do it out of spite just to prove you wrong. Which is fine. If people want to write spite stories at me, I love those. Prove us wrong. Challenge yourself as writers. Oh, yeah, I, I love to be spited by writers. It makes me feel really good. So. I'd rather tell someone no, and then they kick ass and we are super successful proving me wrong than to not challenge readers at all. Oh, no, I'd rather they take the challenge, fail miserably, and then learn something from it. So that's right. fine. That's the difference between us as writers. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch people suffer. <laughs> anyway. Okay, uh, next question. About two people's OCs got into the show. Despite the fact that it was a Make-A-Wish Foundation is doing, would you steal the chance of having an OC of your choice appearing in the show? I would love to see Golden Retriever from Domain have a cameo. Um, apart from that, no. I don't, I don't really feel... I, I feel like I make an exception for Golden Retriever because I feel like she works in the universe very well. Now, if you're asking me if it was... Um, is the question one of my OCs or an OC in general? Uh, anything. Any OC. In which case, making Ghost of Heraclitus' entire catalogue of the Ministry and Bureaucrats fic um, make all his OCs canon, and we're, we're square. I like that. Um, more excuses to get so anyway. next question. Uh, next question is, um, a lot of television shows these days are doing their own internal crossovers, like, say... Uh, Steven Universe with Uncle Grandpa. Uh, oh, yeah. Drama and The Simpsons. Family Guy and The Simpsons. The Simpsons and not quality? Not quality. Yeah. Um, and Rick and Morty. That's quality. Oh, they did it for the intro, which is fine, because that's not... Couch gags. Yeah. The couch gag is, I'm going to say the word again, non-canon. It's, um... it's not diegetic. It's non-diegetic. Um, diegetic is something that you see or experience on the screen that the characters also experience. Non-diegetic is... Here's an example of non-diegetic. Say, say so-and-so is walking down the street and they all break into song as he explains why he's going shopping. In reality, he just walked to the store and there was no actual singing. I was going to say the narrator, but... Um... Yeah, that works too. Yeah. So was, um... my, was my example no, okay, I guess? Good. Yes, it was solid. Um, uh, anything that happens in a musical number is non-diegetic. Applejack doesn't literally have a portrait of Pinkie Pie on her barn. From the Smile song. 
Oh, right, right. The, the ponies of the Smile Song didn't literally jump from rooftop building to rooftop building, smiling and laughing, because that's and you're, fucking stupid. So you're saying Pinky didn't kidnap those two children and take them on a, on a wild ride? Not unless it's referenced outside the song. Um, yep. There was a lot of changes that's happened through the show, if you haven't noticed, over time. Um, and it's caused a little bit of controversy sometimes. Um, Princess Gate, uh, Treehouse Gate, uh, Starlight all of a sudden being good. Um, Changeling Gate at the most recent season. Which significant show change was most tolerable? Most tolerable? Um, you're basically asking which season finale made me the least incandescent with rage. Um, which is hard. I'm... Well, that, that, I think the season finale that probably would fill you with the least rage would be easy, and that's the one where Cadence gets fucking married and sings a really pretty song. Oh, well, uh, all the ones that you listed, I feel, are from season three and beyond. Otherwise, ah, yes. like, otherwise, I would just say Grand Galloping Gala. That was flawless. That was a yeah, flawless yeah, season finale. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to say I really didn't like Magical Mystery Cure because it was all musical number and relating back to previous um, answer that made me feel like it was cheap and non-literal and didn't really count like it's it felt rushed and bad and they haven't done anything with princess twilight that they couldn't have done with regular twilight princess celestia's number one student like they've given her all this power and they've made it completely impotent um that hasn't made me angry but it has made me disappointed um season ah, changeling gate was a huge fucking deus ex like ass pull out of fucking nowhere no foreshadowing, no coherent theme building up to it. But the Changeling Gate itself, beyond having terrible art, and then you got... Ra you know what? I'm going to say no. I'm just going to say they were all terrible and inexcusable, and <laughs> they all make me sad to think about. This is um, quantifying infinity here. How do I... Which thing that made me the maximum amount of angry I can feel at any given moment made me the least maximum amount of angry. Well, they all made me the maximum amount of angry and sad, so no. <laughs> all right, um, that's fair. And also Lieutenant Major Dude has instructed us that we can skip the non-MLP questions. Perfect. Um, then we're going to go to some questions from Snuffy because there are a few questions here that I'm really excited about. Um, number one, who is your favorite character for when writing comedies? Favorite character for writing comedies? Um, Twilight, hands down, which is why I use her so much because she's a fantastic straight man. Um, you can do absolutely anything and everything to Twilight and her reactions will be to either straight face it, no sell it, react sarcastically, or when something has really flapped her, react outrageously to the point where because she has been no selling everything else, you get a sense of depth for how fucked things have gotten to be that she's now reacting to it. Um... One of my favorite scenes to write was actually in Domain, where um, Twilight steps out of her house um, and sees that everyone is protesting she's been made the undisputed ruler of Ponyville, and they want to dispute that. Um, so she looks at this huge howling mob and blinks unevenly, left eye, right eye, closes the door, walks back to the kitchen, pulls out the coffee machine, pulls the coffee grinds out of the machine, pours them directly into her mouth, takes a huge shot of chocolate ice cream syrup, <laughs> pours that straight into her mouth, then chews. And just chews for about 10 seconds, <laughs> swallows it, 
blinks a little more evenly and then turns out to talk to the crowd reasonably and rationally. Like, and just <laughs> all that little scene behind closed doors of where she was finally able to just go, no, you know what? Fuck this shit. It was fantastic. <laughs> and she also gives me, and, and, and when you when you do make her the comedic element by using her as a straight man, you can do other really good um, screwball thinking. What I like, um, screwball thinking is really fantastic. Like, um, where a character does something so sensible that you had not considered it in the insensible situation. Like, later on, she's in a, 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 a dilapidated college, and the roof is crumbling. And the, the, the conversation goes on whilst things are actively breaking around her, and a piece of the roof just falls and whizzes right past her head. Like, this huge lethal chunk of concrete whizzes past her head and lands and smashes on the floor to her right. And without missing a beat, she calmly just steps onto it. And everyone else just asks her, what the fuck are you doing? And she says, well, you're still under ceiling pieces that haven't fallen yet. Why are you looking at me like I'm the crazy one? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, question so yeah, number Twilight. Perfect. Yeah, fair enough. Number two, uh, do you notice the difference between the behavior of commenters in different types of stories, like comedy versus adventure versus horror versus sci-fi, etc.? Um, I have um, a special amusement for sad fit commenters because I find them um, disproportionately psychophantic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have been guilty of doing that myself. Um, so I'm, I'm saying that from a place of, if not love, then at least self-awareness. But um, it was really amusing when I wrote a sad fic out of spite. And it really threw me when people started doing that to me. And I realized I'd done it as kind of a prank. How awful that made me feel. That was not what I expected. I'd say comedy, com like pure straight comedy um, audiences tend to be the least intelligent um not necessarily because the reader base is the least intelligent but because the people who feel compelled to comment on comedy tend to be the most insipid um <laughs> which is why aragon and i get into huge pissing contests where he'll always get to take a shot um yeah. uh, where he will always like talk about how his views are far greater than mine but my comment sections are far less horrible than his. Because uh, my, my comments fine. use things like grammar and proper capitalization and genuinely insightful remarks about the... Uh, there's, always, there's always those particular people where, that make a comment and it's like two words and he means to say good book, but they're both misspelled. Yes. Whereas my, um, my comments... Sections are just full of puns and abuse, and it's wonderful. So I don't. See, that's, at least, at that's at least wit. That's good. That's wit is good. Um, okay. I, I, I find uh, I find horror stories um, even more than sci-fi tend to have the most philosophical comment sections for what it's worth. Right um, or wrong, big thing in those. So yes. Hmm? Right or wrong tends to be such a big factor in horror that it's it's impossible not to talk about it. Yeah, because well, horror it tends to be because it's playing on a core fear of people. It tends to be and packaged a different way. It tends to invoke a lot of. It's like a Rorschach test. Like what yeah. makes you scared and what you read in is a Rorschach test, which is why people tend to discuss them the most avidly. Because 
absolutely everyone is right about how they feel about a horror story and no two people are probably going to feel the same way which leads to very very interesting comment sections i feel i should write more horror you really should no no if, if you are if you are into writing please write more horror you'll it'll be a good experience for you it'll be very entertaining trust me the thing is i i, I try to write horror um i don't like mixing horror and mlp i i i don't I, I can absolutely see the appeal in it. Uh, one of my favorite stories um, on Finfic is Forever Faithful, which is about um, Twilight talking her friends into suicide from death. Like, Wonderful. From, from, from the, de um, the world of death because she's kind of perfected death and it's eternal happiness where you can shape and create the realm how you want. And so it's kind of really creepy and deeply horrifying because everyone who dies is, appears to be genuinely wonderfully happy and eternal and long-lived, much to the fear of everyone alive who gets whispered these ideas in their dreams and don't necessarily want to listen to them. Um, that's a genuinely horrible, wonderful, pony-themed and feeling horror story. I I don't want to try something like that. I, I know it's a really good thing to do, but I would prefer to do as original fiction. And I wrote um, a horror anthology recently. I wanted to do um, 20 short horror stories um they're all 500 words about so exactly one a4 page um split it into a pocket book that would fit in the pocket of any pair of jeans and call it a little book um little book of horrors so that like any it's something you could ah. take camp yes uh so like it'd be great for scouting trips it'd be great for you can memorize them um and what i found in the two months since writing it um finishing it is that no one wants to publish horror they think it's a dead genre yeah. i think it's no, too true. much of a huge risk Yes, it's this is so true. I yes. So no one will so you know, no one risk it. So I'm gonna have to um self-publish, um which is basically admitting defeat to a lot of people. Like it, there's no legitimacy to it, even when even as it's becoming a more legitimate way to publish. If you want to put it on a resume, like say I've been a freelance writer, here is my publish um here is my publishing history. They look at self-publishing and think, oh, so you weren't good enough to get real published. That's true. Yeah, it, that's I, exactly how it is. I back you up on that 100% yet again. It's it's a pain, and while you can find a lot of success in self-publishing, it can't happen to you. It still is not going to look as good for you in the future as if you are able to get someone else to help you do it. Well, like again, we, we live in a world where The Martian was self-published, and like one of the best, probably my favorite science fiction book of all time, and that's as someone who has a deep and profound lust for Charles Stross. Um, and it, it's still, it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks and is lame and it's sad, but um, hopefully I can still get a few sales out of it. Fingers crossed. I wish you luck on that. I sincerely do. Alrighty. Uh, we'll move to the next question then. Uh, Snuffy then asks, after all this serious writing conversation, uh, the funniest MLP comics tend to have Luna in them. What do you think of that? The MLP comic, I, I've, I've, um, I've had the pleasure of meeting Katie Cook in person. She came down to Australia. Um, she actually drew my um, film fiction profile. Um, very, very lovely, lovely, lovely person. Very talented writer. Um, and what she does with Luna is um, what I was saying about Twilight being the straight man. Luna is the exact opposite because Luna lives in the, the Cantalot setting where Celestia is played absolutely straight and has high adventure fantasies where she defends the realm and is completely serious. And all the bureaucrats that occur in Celestia's stories are completely straight 
um, and legitimate and fantastic and dedicated, which allows you to have Luna be absolutely none of those things. And Luna having that same position of authority as Celestia and being absolutely ludicrous. The complete foil. Yeah. It's, she's a foil to an entire setting, which is why she's such an effective character. Um, and because everyone around her acts completely straight, um, that's where the comedy lies. Like, um, leaving, like playing human chess with fancy pants. One of my favorite panels is she's playing human chess with fancy pants in the gardens, and she leaves to take a phone call and get a cup of tea, um, and then leaves fancy pants and all the people dressed in chess pieces on the board for hours and completely forgets about them. And uh, Fancy just patiently waits with the team, looking very amused. And all the chess pieces are having a nervous breakdown. And Luna sees absolutely no... Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much that's why Luna is so funny. Because my Twilight answer inverse. Luna is allowed to be absolutely ridiculous because everything and everyone around her is so completely serious all the time. And that's why it works. Alrighty. Um... You have a very clear grasp when it comes to comedy, and uh, according to Snuffy, you are <laughs> miles you are miles above some writer named Flutterpriest when it comes to comedies. <laughs> Never heard so, of him. do oh. you think you could do some charity work regarding that? Can you help him become a good writer? Um, or is he just too far gone? Is he just too well, bad to be repaired? Um, are, are you asking about about this flutter priest person or about the snuffy um, the, no, the, the flutter priest person? person. Um, read some Pratchett and get back to me. How much of Pratchett have you read? None. Yeah, go read Pratchett. Go read Pratchett and get back to me. Gotcha. Like just all of it, just all the Discworld novels. Um, you got it. Well, honestly, you you are. Hmm? You got it. I'll start with uh, guards, guards, which has been on my. Uh, watch list for a while now the thing about the uh, the discworld series <sighs> you don't have to read all the discworld questions but you will anyway um all right that, so that's what's... it for you in a nutshell all right so uh, what's so... the next what's the next question yes um you and the podcasts are in an equestrian jousting tournament with a plethora oh, of prizes Jesus Christ. uh you tell us who you think will win what okay pencil riding okay. the drunken berry punch and plans to win the free meals at any steakhouse for a year Versus Flutter Priest, who's writing on Lila and plans to win the date with Best Princess Prize. So it's between you and who? Pencil. Mm. Oh, Pencil. Um, I think Pencil would do the... You wouldn't hit me, would you, routine. And you'd hesitate at the last second, and she wouldn't. Oh, no, he wouldn't hesitate. He'd look at me and say, no, cower away, and then I would eat all the steaks. <laughs> I didn't say... Especially why he would hesitate. There are many reasons. Um, well, honestly, there's a thread I can make. Hmm? There's a very simple thread I can make to Priest that will make him, like, you know, not do that. Okay. Cry me. Hey, Priest, no sex. Uh, fuck. Okay, we're Yeah! Good. That's what I thought! Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You want yeah. Round two is Mike Snipe riding on Vinyl Scratch so he can pay off his harassment fine from Scootaloo. And second is yeah. Enigma, who is riding on Princess Ember's shoulders and wants the fame so he can spread the world about his Patreon. Enigma, all that pent-up rage. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
a lot. It's it's true. Never, there's a word. There's a saying saying, um, "Fear the rage of a good man." I'm a guy who t- takes the shit from you guys and never gives that any. So, a good man. You're not even a mediocre man. This doesn't count for you. Okay, uh, I'm gonna move down to Tony Montana now, and I'm gonna rapid fire some of his easier questions. Um, sure. What type of question? What type of stories do you enjoy writing the most? Comedy. Uh, with what characters do you find difficult but most rewarding to write? Uh, Pinkie Pie. Uh, I'll get back to you when I actually nail Rainbow Dash. Um, <laughs> you well, you just want to nail Rainbow Dash. Look, said what I meant, meant what I said. Um, <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, okay. I, I really I really do like Sweetie Belle, but I, I, I have um problems consistently voicing her, which is why she tends to have some very good punchlines in my story, but be kept out of conversations with the CMC because I find Apple Bloom and Scoogloo a lot easier to write and flow. They have much more distinctive voices. Um yeah, I'd, I'd say Pinkie Pie tops the list, though. She's definitely the hardest to do well, but the most rewarding to me when she's done right. All right. Uh, is there any, like, particular genre of writing which is kind of the same way, difficult but rewarding? Uh, comedy. All righty. Uh, a story that you take inspiration from, MLP or not? Take inspiration from... um. I'm going, to, I'm going to go back and say, um, in, in terms of MLP, everything Ghost of Heraclitus has done. Um, in terms of my aspiring for um, science fiction, I will, I will go back and say Charles Strauss. Um, his ability to make technical details and weave them seamlessly into, um, into his story uh, was very good. Oh, actually, I think one of the stories that most inspired Moonfic was called A Clockwork Fagin. It's a short story by uh, Cory Doctorow. Um, that it's, it's, it's part of a larger anthology called steampunk, but that's probably the one mm-hmm. story that had the most profound impact on, um, the mayor who once lived on the moon. Um, otherwise for the, for the rest of everything and for the rest of all time, it's going to be Terry Pratchett again. All right. All let's right. continue with the rapid fire. We got this priest. You can do it. Let's see. Stop saying already. Uh, these are all open ended questions. Um, is the cat dead or alive? Scrodinger's uh, cat, I'm assuming. What kind of cat? What cat was Scrodinger's that? Scrodinger's cat. Say it again. Say it again for me, real slow. What, what was that? What was that name? Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's. Is that okay? You're saying Schrodinger's cat. All right, that's priest. Even I know how to pronounce it. Pronounce correctly. Yeah, it's obviously Schrodinger. <laughs> yeah, Schrodinger. Oh, didn't you know? Come on. Schrodinger's list. <laughs> oh God. Schrodinger. 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 Schrodinger's cat. Uh, Software O. Are, but, you, um, are you stealing my bit as the comedy relief of this cat? No. Priest. This is just, I was, I was bored. I feel right. Look, as soon as either of you are funny, I will say that the title has been stolen. But right oh. now it seems to be up in the air. Oh, that's not good. Get it to me, Jimmy. Um... Dot, dot, dot. Okay, we've got some questions from Bylon. It's uh, time! It's time! Hold on. Oh, God, I've forgotten the jingle. Um, 
it's just a questions from Pylon. I usually do the stupid jingle, but I don't have time today. Um, I'll I'll go for, find it in post and then like. Thank you. Um, okay. so. If you didn't know, Violon is one person who asks questions, and uh, her questions tend to be a little bit outside the norm, and you're going to get asked some really distressing things, and uh, answer honestly, answer quickly, answer with, oh, I can't fucking do this right now. We don't care. You can do this. I have faith in you. Okay. You're in Equestria, and you have the ability to summon an unlimited amount of chickens at will. What do you do, and how much fun will it be? Uh, unlimited chickens, you say? Yes. I devise a trebuchet. And then I use them for skeet. Perfect. You can make chickens fly. You're gonna make chickens fly. You have a And it's not well? it's not it's all the it's all the fun of a moving skittering target and none of the ethics of killing something because it's a pseudo entity I've created with my mind. I'm, I assume I'm not just I, may, I assume I'm making chickens from whole cloth and not just stealing them from someone else because otherwise I wouldn't have an unlimited amount. I would have a finite amount as... You have frozen. It's like shooting trap with chickens. And yes, you, you have an unlimited amount of chickens. They, they are being summed out of the ether. But you have frozen, so... I think he's killed. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I told you. I told him he was Raise, chicken. Raise. Raise, chicken. Well, I wouldn't blame him if he was frustrated at this point. I, I wouldn't blame him if he just like quit on us. I wouldn't blame him at all. I would have, I would have, I have so much work ahead of me for editing this video. No, it's no worries. It's no worries. It's, oh, it's, it's a net. I'm, I'm very used to this. Um, okay. look, I've, I've played Overwatch with a full second of ping. That's frustrating. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. So next violent question. Trap with tulpas. So, first question. Uh, oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this wrong, and everyone's gonna make fun of me. Um, chooks. Don't worry, that would trap with anyone. Chooks. Chooks. C H O O K S. Chooks. That's the question. Yes, uh, that is the question. Tulpa or trap chooks. Could you read the question back to me again? I've, I've the obviously missed. Just... No, the question is just C H O O K S. The question is just chooks. Yeah. Yes. Um, delicious. Yes. Uh, okay. I don't know what that is, but uh, it's uh, it's Australian slang for chicken, which is why I was so confused because I didn't realize until now that was even slang. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's what you get for American for reading uh, Australian slang. Uh, what do you, what got you into the world of fan fiction? Uh. No, we haven't asked you that, actually. <laughs> Go. Answer. <laughs> uh, that would have been the one that really nailed me for going, yes, I would like to do this thing. I, I, I enjoyed fan fiction um, a lot more than I enjoyed fan art or music because I've always been a huge reading nerd. Like, I'm one of those people that have spent so much time reading books that I'm able to walk down a busy street and not bump into anything because I've just perfected the spatial awareness of reading and walking. Like, that level of uber nerd. Um, let me check. Uh, well, the, the very... The fanfic that was originally on G-Docs that got me into... It, Yours Truly uh, by Thanquil, um, which I will link here, is um, absolutely the fanfiction that made me go, yeah, I want to do this. I want to surpass this. And I never did. 
Huh. Wow. That's your cue for the next question. Okay. Uh, it's it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move down uh, since some of these are things that we already answered. Um, and some of them are just silly. Well, ask, uh, ask, how, ask what do you think of sausages. It's a simple question. What do you think of sausages? Uh, too greasy. There's your answer. Would you rather pet Twilight's horn or poke Pinky's ponet? Horn. I want to see if it's fur covered or bone. I've got okay. too much scientific curiosity. Um, is slapping Princess Celestia butt inappropriate or a proper way of praising the sun? Uh, proper way of praising the sun if you go, she'll be right, mate. Um, Vylon's theory is that children should not be spanked because they might eventually learn to enjoy it and become masochists. Do you agree? God. I literally got asked by a friend to proofread the story of this exact concept with uh, the CMC and their sisters, uh, a guy called Ari Mackey. Um, so what's the story That's called? my answer. That is my answer. That, that, that story is being written if that is genuinely your thing. How much does it take to expand on? Uh, how long does it take to expand on? Yes. No. How, how, how much does it take to expand dong? D-O-N-G. No. The donger. The Dongarino. The penis. Look. <laughs> you know, look, you know how it says like after after like four hours if it's still up, consult your doctor? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's about four years later and I'm too afraid to hear what the answer would be. So th th that's the answer to your question. It, I'll, I'll tell you when it goes down and how much it takes to get back up again. That actually yeah. transitions really well because your dong is now alive and sapient. Also, um, is your dong what do you mean agoraphobic? Now? Uh, no, was no, it, the question. Was it not before? Is that not normal? No, no, the sapient dongs are uh, not normal, in fact. You are blessed. Maybe we'll actually have to see the doctor. Um, chosen. What we're Maybe curious about is, will its relationship with your hand be broken because of this, or will it become stronger? Look, I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand... Obviously, it's... <laughs> Sorry! On the one hand. No, no, that 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 cacophony of puns that just happened is beautiful. I, I have to step back and take a minute. Two minds. So well done. So well done. Okay. Are you kill? Speak. <laughs> oh my god, are you kill? He's kill again. Oh my god, it cuts off there! It cuts off there! Uh, I wait, wish. can you not hear me? No, we can. Now we can. Okay. There you are. No, I was just I was just I was just appreciating Flutter's laugh. <laughs> Sorry, I just wasn't saying laugh. anything. I was just passively enjoying the aftermath of that joke. Um, I'm so proud of you. I'm broken. That's it. Oh. I'm so proud of you. Oh. Because <laughs> you're like no bad puns at the beginning yeah. of this, and now you're just breaking into them so fast. It's beautiful. I actually that do. That was a pun. That was a turn of phrase. I do want to get comedy lessons from you. That was fantastic. Um, okay. Uh, your sapient dog now decides to leave you and become independent and live its own life. Will it be tragic, bittersweet, or a happy ending to the em to the memories of your times together? Oh, it, now it's me running. I'm going to be it nailing is. that dog door. I'm going to be nailing that dog door shut so it can't escape. If this ain't the end. Is your neighbor going to watch as you fuck the dog? Dong. The dog. No. 
I, I just figure it would leave through the dog flap. That seems like the most sensible route. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, if it's going to be escaping, that does seem like the one entrance way that it would... Like, you know, tactically speaking? Tactically speaking. It's not really a dong door, but, like, I mean, it's one letter short. It just it can just add it. The dong door. Down there. <laughs> All right. Wouldn't that be um, the mail slot? That said, that the mail like, slot. Oh my god! As the next question mm-hmm. is, can you say your dog's a good boy? No, he's a very, very naughty boy, and he needs to be spanked. Um. Why did it take this turn? Now, now Violent has related questions. <laughs> you are, in fact, a dong, and your master loves you. He takes good care of you, always remembers to pet you daily, and finally, after years of giving you unfailing affection, your master takes you out to play with the kitties. Who would you go for? The slimy hey, good. one who smells like squid, the pimpled bleeding one who smells like bleach, the slimy crusty one that smells like cheese, the moist saggy ones that smells like mud, or explode, killing your loving master because you are a picky dong. So what you're saying is, he's, this is some sort of trick or trap that he's lured me out so would you say that my master has in fact baited me with all of these different horrible vagus fuck i hate it when i get masturbated do do you does your dog do you as a dog are now interested in other dogs shut up shut up i have to revel in this so happy thank you thank you i don't care with how many disconnects we've had this entire cast this is so worth it oh um uh the sane one asks uh is that a knife oh wait there's one more there's one more question oh will you raise your dong for the good hie podcast that's not what it okay which one or lisa claire it says will you raise your dong for aragon <gasps> it changed well well yeah. i did say about four years and that's about how long i've known him um look i'm not oh. going to say anything to, uh, to to fuel the shipping i'm just going to say in causation correlation make up your mind anyway so what's the next all question we, all we know is that when you met him it went up and it stayed up so that's fine we're running out of time so i'm cherry picking the last few questions uh the sure. same one asks is that a knife nah mate that ain't a knife this is a knife. Oh, God, you even put on the accent. Fuck. And then oh, that's um, from Snakeskin so Duct Tape, is that my wife? Nah, mate, that ain't your wife. This is your wife. Oh, God, it's so ugly. Uh, let's see. Boy, Strine is a proud and beautiful national heritage, I'll have you know. Uh, that other other guy asks, one entire day with Worst Pony or one hour with Aragon talking nonstop about a subject that makes you feel really uncomfortable? Uh, so basically you're getting me to choose between a day with Fluttershy or <laughs> most of my afternoons of the past four years. Um, yes. I'm definitely going to go with Aragon. Take a drink. Yay! Oh, oh. Okay. Um, 
Lee Sinclair asks, will you surprise everyone with something entirely new and unexpected in 2017? Entirely new and unexpected in 2017. Um, I'm just thinking what I can do that is new and entirely unexpected. Oh, I know. I'll meet my quotas. I'll keep my deadlines and get things done in a reasonable amount of time consistently. Define reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> That's what That's I thought. Being the problem. Um, I'm going to move down to Jenkins Revenge. Uh, where did Daddy Darf go? He's he gone for forever. State. Oh, he, he went, went to the farm, to the farm upstate. He went to the farm upstate with the other shitfic riders. Um, Boulder asks, I why do you pronounce... Boulder asks, why do you pronounce Princess Twilight as Princess Toilet? Do I pronounce it as Princess Toilet? You do. It's fine. Princess, Princess Twilight Sparkle. Princess Toilet Sparkle. Princess Twilight Sparkle. When you no, say really so, you can hear it. Yeah. It's fine. It's just Americans being terrible. Um, okay. It's a very clear difference to me, so I find it really interesting that you guys actually hear that. That's super weird. Uh, I'll have to... Yeah. I had, this discussion, I, I had this discussion recently with an Australian, by the way, um, that uh, the American ear has a very hard time depicting different variances in Australian accents. Like, a very hard time. It's specifically that accent. There are many people in the United States, genuinely, who cannot tell the difference between a British accent and an Australian accent. Yeah, which amuses both all the Australians and all the British people I know. Um, oh, all the British people I know are furious about it, so that's fine. But I, I'm slowly tuning my ear, but I have noticed it, it's taken a little bit of effort. We just, we're not around the accents enough to have a knowledge of them. And since I'm surprised we've gone two entire hours for the cast without mentioning it uh we'll go zero weeks without endorsing mooney stories by eighth sin our other favorite australian yes yes my other favorite australian go go read his stories so he can hate me for recommending it um final question from fox on the run what belongs to you but others use it more than you do uh i know i know i know i know, I know the answer i'm gonna say my stories well. it's, a, it's a riddle it's a riddle that's I know, act, I know under, the under the under the design of the question. I suppose that does work. Yes, but uh, the answer is your name. Oh, I was gonna say your time. No, it's it's your name. You don't, you rarely use your own name. Everybody else uses your name all the time. It's a riddle. That's that's how riddles work. It's, it's see that's 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 a that's a clever answer. But I think mine was more philosophical. So, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, if you're mega, I think it's, I think it's a bad flawed question, and they should feel sense. bad for asking it. You want a trophy? Should, should, shall we get you a trophy or a cookie? Which would you rather? We, we can we can make a, a cookie trophy or a trophy cookie. Which one would you God. prefer? So if we were talking about how I like cooking earlier. And um, yes. about two Christmases ago now was the first Christmas I spent by myself home alone. And that was heaven. And to prove my adult superiority, I, I wanted to prove that I was a reasonable, responsible adult. So I made two kilograms worth of cookie. Two <laughs> kilogram cookie slabs. And I filled I that you. with uh, two liters of choc chip ice cream. And I made an ice cream sandwich. Um, well, I made about a three kilogram ice cream sandwich. That sounds heavy. 
I, it was uh, so good. <laughs> I, Did the spiders have some? I, no. I, um, I shared it with the neighbours who may, may not have been spiders in human suits. It's Australia. There's about a ooh, 20, 23% chance. I'm going to say 23% chance based on the latest census data that um, and any given Australian is a uh, spiders in a human suit. Um, but yeah, share it with the neighbours. It was fantastic fresh. Uh, 10 out of 10 would adult again. Good job. Alrighty. Now that said, that's all the allocated time that we normally have for this stream. It's going to be probably <sighs> short on YouTube because of editing and everything's terrible. But that said, we had a really fun time. Numbers, I hope you had a fun time too. Yeah, if you ever want me back, I love doing this. I would be happy to do this again. Oh, hell I'm yeah. I'm really we glad you had a good time. And thank you for putting up with us. We were too exhausted to really be cruel to you, so you'll have to come back and see what kind of abuse we can lay on you next time. Oh, you can try. You can absolutely try. Oh, no, hey, if you like it, so much the better for me. I'm not saying I'm trying to, you know, hurt you in ways you don't like. Don't worry. We're fine. But it's not you I'm worried about. Oh. 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 Well, thank you for watching this week's Good HA <laughs> podcast. We've had Mike Snipe. Bye. We had Enigma. Check out my Patreon, you guys. Oh, Kensel whipped that. us into shape. I didn't cry on the podcast, you guys. And, of course, our guest, Mr. Numbers. I didn't cut out again. I just wanted to, I just wanted to give you that. I actually panicked. I did too. I was like, of all the times. And now oh. you see why I did it. And now you see why I did it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Flutter Priest. Fuck off, mate. Oh, God. Wait, where's our daily dose of Outback, Outback Lyler? No, no Outback Lyler. <laughs>